for us to live. And just think back to your life before you knew Christ, and hopefully you should see a change. And that's just what we're looking at, how God has caused a work to begin in our life to change us, to lift us out of that um, pit that we once called um, life. So we're going to be reading from Isaiah 52 in just the first three verses. I'm not just going to read from that just yet, just I'm going to read from it in a moment. Um, I just want to just speak to you briefly, just so we can sort of grasp what um, we're going to be considering this morning. We're going to be looking at how God has uh, saved us to glorify Him. And one of the main themes that I want to pull out of this today is godly attitudes and godly actions. And when God's people are saved, their lives has changed, and all of a sudden they act different, and their whole life is changed. This is not through works. This is through the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the, of the person, of the believer. You know, today is a, is, a, is a very special but yet sad day for a family that we all know very well. A few weeks ago, we, we had to bury young James Moore. And you know, today, young James was is his birthday. He would have been 12 today. And you know, I want us just to consider the brevity of life. I want us to consider and to appreciate what we have, what opportunity we have as the people of God to, to live as God intended us to live. Do you know, I said last week how when you look at a new convert, a new man or a new woman who is new to the faith and how their life has changed so much and how the joy of the Lord and the radiance of the Lord is upon their life. But somewhere down the line, we can become complacent and, and even disfigured with the world. And I want to encourage us as the Lord is encouraging me to, to rise up and to live a life that is different, a life that God has intended you and I to live, that is not ruled by sin and disfigured by it, but, but ruled by Christ and a real testimony of a saving power. So we looked last week at how Israel was a people chosen by God, and they were called to be something beautiful. And so are we. So are you. In Christ, he wants to make your life beautiful. And I, can I ask you this? Has the world done that for you? Has the world made your life beautiful? And the answer, of course, is no. You might have beautiful things if you're fortunate enough, but it doesn't do anything for the heart. It doesn't do anything for the man or the woman. But God had called Israel to be something beautiful. But sadly, Israel had failed to live as God intended them to live. We seen last week that there was hidden sin allowed to manifest in the heart of Israel. And this caused them to be sent out from that holy city, Zion, into Babylon, which is a place of bondage. What happened to Israel was this, they went from freedom with blessing and purpose and power and promise to captivity with hardship and despair. And we can see that in the lives of some. Israel failed to reach the heights that God had intended her to reach. You know, she had missed the excitement of perhaps new experiences, deeper things in, in the places of faith that God had for her. What happened was simply this, that the world around her had stole her heart from God. And the world, with his empty promises, had, you know, blocked out the voice of God. Do you ever experience that in your life where you just struggle to hear afresh what it is God would be saying to you? The world does that. We too must be aware of this lure in our own life. Today, that's our call. Our call to awake, to live as God intended you to live. To glorify God in and through your life. And this only comes through the new birth. Let me read Ephesians 2 before we look at Isaiah. Because this gives us a glimpse of the life that Christ intends his church to live. Let me just read it to you. 
It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 on. It says this, And listen to the words, And you were dead in trespasses and in sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Notice that, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, there's always a but with God, and it's a good but, but God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For a grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man may boast. Listen, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. See that? To live differently. To live differently. Notice what it says, you were dead in your trespasses. You were. Verse 2, you once walked according to the way everybody else walks in this world. Verse 3, we all once lived in the passions. So here we see the new birth, the new life, the reminder that we all once walked in this way, but now we are called to a new life. And this speaks of the new birth. The new birth. The only way that a sinner can ever live the way God intends is in and through the new birth, to be born again. You used to live. We used to be that person who lived in sin. We used to be that, but now we're this in Christ. And I want to say, just remind us this morning very briefly that, that when a person is saved, when a person comes to Christ, Christ, the Spirit of God, it takes up residence within that person's life. You see? He sweeps the house clean. He drives out all the demonic influences. And it, Christ takes his place upon the throne of our hearts. And I want to remind us of that truth this morning as a church of Christ, that that there's a new authority in our lives. There's a new way for us to live. There's a wee question I asked last week, and I want to just leave it with you and mention to you again uh, this week. As a Christian, are you free in Christ? Are you free this morning in the Lord? And that's a question that only you and the Lord can, can work out. But I want to tell you this. If you're in Christ, the answer is yes, you're free. If you're in Christ this morning, the answer is yes. See, things try to hinder the Christian and, and even hold them back. But despite the setbacks that we have in our life, Christ has set us free. And maybe this morning you just need reminded of that in your life. You need to realize again that, that Christ has begun and started a work in your life and you indeed are free. But let us consider this morning God's call to Israel to leave that place of bondage to make our way back to the holy city. Let us read together. Isaiah 52. Listen to the open words, speaking to the people, trying to get their attention. Awake, awake. Close yourself with the strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, that holy city. Shake yourself from the dust, verse 2. Rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the chains around your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, and you will be redeemed without money. What we see here is that Israel is disfigured by sin and she is clothed in utter disbelief. But this is not going to stop God restoring her. I want you to see this. In Israel, 
I want you to say it in your own life. There is a day coming when Israel will once again shine for the glory of God. She will one day live as God intended her to live because that's the promise of God. That's the word of God. I quoted Mark Twain. Let me mention him again from last week. He said, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, and the Persians rose. They filled the planet with sound and splendor. But then they faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greeks and the Romans followed. They made a vast noise, and they too were gone. But the Jews saw them all and survived them all. God is not finished with Israel, and God is not finished with his church. And that should give you an amen in your heart. If you ever feel that this is it, that this is as far as you can go, well, the Bible would say God has not finished with you yet. Look at Israel. It's not exactly God's prized possession today. It doesn't exactly glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, does it? But God in his word, this very word that we're reading, speaks about restoration of that great people of God. There's hope and God is not finished with you this morning. And Isaiah's message from chapter 50 on was a message of restoration. The previous chapters dealt with sin. And before we can glorify God, we must deal with sin. The only way we can deal with sin in our life is in and through Christ. Israel's captivity was over. She's being restored to her former glory. And what a picture of the church. Being restored day by day to their former glory. And God sends Isaiah, his man for the hour, with a, a call for the people of God to awaken from their slumber, to come out from Babylon and rebuild their holy city. And I have a few small points that I want to bring from that. And it's awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Israel here is being told about this restoration that's about to begin. They're being told that they're now free in God. In other words, they are told to prepare themselves, listen, once again, to live as God intended them to live. Yes, they had fallen in sin. And this was now a time of restoration. It's the time for Israel to get back up and to follow the Lord. And you know, that's the call for the church today. Perhaps that's a call for you today to prepare yourself afresh in Christ, to lay aside that which is holding you back from the things of God. And only you know what that is. What, what's holding you back from the things of God, from enjoying them things that you once enjoyed, for living a life that is different from the life that you're now living and glorifying God? The call is this, to prepare ourselves. Free yourself from all bondage and sin. You know, the things that we think are good for us are quite often bondage. You ever notice the things that we think will bring us the most happiness, bring us the most shackles. They hold us back, they restrict us. Why is a poor man always happy? I once went to Africa for a mission trip. I don't believe, I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe there's a need for depression tablets over there. Because they had absolutely nothing, but they had a great countenance, a generous spirit, and a welcoming kindred. That's the type of people that I met. There was no worldliness for them to take hold of. And sometimes the bondage in our life we believe is good for us. And here we see this call to be restored and to come back to Christ again and live that life in and through the life-given Spirit of God. And that's the call to prepare ourselves to, to, to do God's work, to live for Christ. But then there's, there's a responsibility of the call. Does anybody like the word responsibility? We don't like responsibility, sure we don't. Especially as adults. It's nice when we're younger and we can sort of just be very flippant in our ways. But when we become adults, there's a responsibility. 
And listen, when you become a Christian, there's a responsibility to you as well. There's a responsibility in the call. We each have a responsibility to walk with God. And we see this in Isaiah's opening words. He said, awake, but then look what he says. He says, shake yourself from the dust. Do you know that old saying when somebody would say, maybe the young fella doesn't want to go out to bring in the silage or, or something lazy. Would you shake yourself and get up? Well, well, here's Isaiah, God's man saying to God's people, people of God, shake yourself. Arise up out of the slumber. God has got a way and a plan for your life. And that's what we see here. The, the term shake yourself, it demands action. It's not a sit back and, and observe. It's, it's the rise up and move demands our attention. It's now the, the captive Israel's listen, responsibility to get up and make their way back to Jerusalem, back to the place where, where God intended her to be. Maybe this morning you are saved in this meeting. You have come to Christ and you know what it is to be forgiven. You're his. But you're, you're in that place of bondage. Them old shackles that once held you back and held you down have, have somehow crept back into your life. They've got a grip. You're not in a good place. You're, you're not in the place where you're supposed to be with Christ. Well, the word to Israel was this. Shake yourself from the dust and come home to that holy city. And the word for you today would be the same. Shake yourself from the dust. Burst yourself off. Come home. You see, God sets the sinner free. But we each have a responsibility to move away from, from Babylon. What's Babylon? It's worldliness at its worst. It's antichrist at its very core. It's flesh and all its sin displays itself and flies in the face of God and his law. That's our world in which we live in. It's spiritual Babylon. It seeks to rob the people of God from the goodness of God and the life that God intends them to live. And that's the place that we need to come back from. And I want to encourage you today to come home to the Lord. If you find yourself in that foreign land, listen, there's restoration. And we need to make ourselves come back. Let him restore the broken walls in your life. It's time to come back to that holy city. You know, I believe that holy city where the church is symbolic for holiness. The Bible tells us that the Christian must pursue in holiness as we make our way back home to God. There's, there's a path of holiness, isn't there, church? Do you agree with this? Or holiness, something that God writes on our hearts, isn't it? It's something we wrestle with. It's something God has placed in our hearts. There's a way to live. There's a new way to live. Israel was to leave behind Babylon. She was returned to Zion. Listen, we too must leave behind this Babylon. Think of Revelation 18 and 4. Come out of her, my people. Least you share in her sins, and least you too receive from her plagues. And that's the responsibility and the call of the redeemed of Christ. We are to come away, to come out of the world and live from Christ, set ourselves free. So listen, the last point. The call was to awake, prepare ourselves to be used of God. The responsibility and the call is this, come away from the life that you're now living outside of Christ. And lastly, there's the robes in the call. I love this bit, and this is a bit that I really want to drive home. There's, there's a dress code for the Christian. It's not a hat for the ladies and a shirt and tie for the men, or many of us here would have to go home. But there is a dress code for the people of God. Put on thy beautiful garments. As it was, Israel was dressed, listen, as a slave. Her garments were soiled and unsightly to the eye. I want you to see this. 
And sadly, there's some who profess Christ and they're walking around in their garments, they're soiled. You understand what I mean? They're, they're unsightly to the eye. They are dressed as slaves, not as sons and daughters, not as free men and free women to the king. And it's important to note now that these beautiful garments are not referring to righteousness that we receive when we come to Christ. Listen, this is a gift from God, and thank God. When we come to Christ, we receive as a gift from God Christ's righteousness as if it were our own. You get that? Christ's righteousness as if it were our own. And that's the grace of God in the life of the believer. And thank God for it. I don't know about you, but another day goes by. I don't thank God for that grace, for Christ's righteousness. For I know too well I have none of my own. But that's the gift of God in your life. No, this dress coat, these garments are referring to this. Attitudes and actions. There are those whose attitudes are far from godly, whose actions are, are somewhat unsightly to the eye. I want you to see this, church, because this is a message for you, how God wants you to live, and that freedom comes with it. And this is how God intends us to live. Listen to Colossians 3, 5 to 14. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself, notice that word, with compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience. Listen, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. So he's speaking to unity in the church. If you have a problem with your brother or sister, according to the word of God, and to be in the obedience to God, you need to address such matters. Forgive as the Lord forgive you. And overall, these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And here we see the way of the godly. The way that God intends his people to live we are to be clothed in beautiful garments, such as being having compassion around us. Do you ever notice that the church is the most forgiven, but the most unforgiven? Is that true? Has that been true for you? You have received very little grace in times past. Well, let me encourage you, make sure you pour it out in the future. I met a man and a son yesterday. We were talking about church. He says he hasn't been church in five years, fallen the hypocrites. And I stopped him in his tracks. And I said, man, listen, get your eyes off the hypocrites. Get your eyes on to the Lord or you're headed for destruction. And I'll say the same thing to you this morning, church. Get your eyes off that which is not Christ because there's none perfect. If you want perfection, don't look in the mirror. Don't look around you. Look in the Bible. Look to Christ. Because it's only in Christ will we ever find perfection. We will let one another down. But in that, the word of God says, listen, show compassion to one another. Forgive one another. Have I wronged you? Well, I apologize. If you've wronged somebody, accept it. We, we are to make amends with one another. God's people are to forgive each other. Why? Why do we forgive? Were you not a great sinner? Were you not happy in Babylon, but yet Christ in his grace and his goodness lifted you out of that merry clay, sat you upon the rock, put a new song in your life? Did he not forgive you your sin? And all he asks of us, is to forgive one another. Church, glory to God. There's a way that we ought to live, and it's not like the world. The world doesn't forgive. The world is no mercy, but the people of God do. The people of God do. And what a challenge, church. You see, a challenge is this for me. I know in my own life, and I can see it across the land, that, that Satan wants to stop this type of Christianity, doesn't he? He wants to stop the church living as God intended her to live. As the glory of, to live to the glory of God. He tempts us to mix godliness with worldliness, 
We end up disfigured by sin, treating each other and others as the world does with little or no respect nor mercy. But with Christ, there's mercy, isn't there? Upon mercy. With the church, there should be mercy upon mercy. Remember the quote from last week, Sidney Murray, I believe it was. His goodness, speaking of Psalm 23, Sidney said, His goodness looks after my steps, and his mercy looks after my stumblings. And you know, as Christians, I thought of this. Let our goodness look after the steps of our brothers and sisters. Let our mercy cover the stumblings and the mistakes of our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, it's too easy to expose a brother when they've done wrong, isn't it? When at times we are to cover the sin. Yes, that's right. There's times, biblically, we are to cover the sins of our brothers. We're to help them back up, not pull them back down. With our attitudes and actions, we are to live differently. We're to live differently on to the Lord. You know, I'm going to close with this thought. The Lord says something very encouraging to every man and woman who ever felt that they've let the Lord down. Do you ever feel that you've let the Lord down? Well, listen, he says this. You have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. And what God's saying here is this. Although we often set ourselves short, we often sell our godliness, who we are in Christ, for pennies. God still sees how valuable we each are. No matter how cheaply we have sold our godliness, no matter how low or how far we have walked from God, what we learn from Isaiah is this, that he, God, will never stop pursuing his people to bring them home. Isn't that a message of hope this morning? Isn't that something about our God? No matter how low, how far we have went, he wants to bring us home. Listen, despite Israel's circle of repetitive sin, God still said to him, listen, you are my people. God would still say to you this morning, church, you are my people. Perhaps you've forgotten that. But God refers to you in his word as my people. And as the people of God in these closing moments, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you would know what it is to live differently. You understand what, what, what we're trying to say, what God would be saying to us this morning? There is a, there is a force that would seek to, to rob you of what you are to be in Christ. But there's a greater force inside us that's, that's urging us to awake, to raise up, to shake off that old filthiness of this world and its attitudes and its words and put on Christ afresh this morning, church. You know, there's a dying world that needs to see the people of God. But I'll tell you about it or not. There's too many dying churches that need to see the power of God within the church where there's forgiveness. Glory to God where there's mercy where there's unity, where we cover each other's sins and help them back up to restoration. What about that? What about that? Have you ever fallen? Have you ever had a brother or sister speak about you? It's not very nice, is it? Have you ever fallen and got a brother beside you and helped you back on to the right way and there's none knows about it? That's the church. That's the church. Is there an amen? So I want to give you an option this morning. There's there's two ways to come out of Babylon and into that place where God wants us to live. There's simply two ways, and it's probably seen most simply in Lot and his wife. Just very simply. The two choices that you have this morning is this. You can follow the way of Lot's life, wife. sorry. She, she wanted to come out of Sodom, but she couldn't take her eyes off it. She wanted to stay 
there. She was, she was pulled. She wanted to leave that ungodly place and follow God, but she want, the bigger end of her wanted to stay. And you know what happened? She got to stay. But Lot, Lot knew what it was to rub shoulders with Babylon, with Sodom. He knew what it was to be consumed by worldliness and caught up in it, to lose the joy in the Lord's song. But when he heard the call of God afresh, he kept his eyes forward, he heard the word of God, he turned his back on Sodom. And you know, that's simply it. We've got two choices as a people of God. I want to encourage you, don't be like Lot's wife, who, who remained cut off from the blessing and the promise of God that he had for her as well. And follow Lot. What did Lot do? He simply rose up, turned his back, and followed the call of God. It's not, it's not simple this morning, church. And God will do the rest in our hearts. So let us stand. I want to pray over each of us this morning, and we're just going to and come around the table. So please stand with me, open your heart, and just in these moments, you're able to stand. I know there's a lot of children on knees and laps and so forth. But please um, open your hearts this morning. We're in the house of God. 17 years ago, I said a wee prayer. I don't know how you got saved, but I said a wee prayer. I didn't even understand the depth of it. God changed it. He changed my life. And you know, a wee prayer in your inner mind this morning could change your future. Think about it. Think of it. So, Father, we, as your people, God, come before you, and we thank you as we see in Isaiah, for God, you are a God who pursues your people. You are a God who seeks to lift them up when they fall down, to, to persist with them, to keep knocking at their hearts. Lord, to bring them home to that city of Zion. And God, as we journey in this world, as we make our way home to you, Father, we want to do it, Lord, well. Lord, Lord, we want to live in this new life that we have got in Christ. And Lord, in ourselves, we have no good thing. Lord, in our own efforts, what can we ever do for you? But Lord, we thank you that we touched briefly this morning, that new birth. Lord, when a man or woman comes to Christ, the Spirit of God sweeps out the house, all demonic go, and glory, holiness fills the house. And Christ sits on the throne of our hearts. But Father, there's, there's enemies at the walls trying to break in, trying to discourage, trying to defeat. And Lord God, perhaps some of, some of us here this morning, the walls have been broken down in our lives and the enemy has crept in. And this is perhaps most evident by the things that come out of our mouths, our actions and our attitudes. And God, through Christ this morning, through Jesus' name, I pray that, Lord, you would restore each of our walls this morning for your glory. That, Father, you would secure the fortress around our lives, that all filth and ungodliness that would seek to tromp in and through us would go, that what would come out of our mouth would be godliness, goodness, mercy, compassion, Lord, that our heart would not be mingled with worldliness, Lord, but we would be a people that, Lord, are able to forgive each other quickly and quietly. So God, we're called to your rise. And I believe there's a person this morning and the Lord's song has left their heart. And that's easy to replace Open your heart before God this morning. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to put his song afresh back onto your wee heart. That that old worship team that used to sing well within you would, would once again rise up and you would be a worshiper of God, not just today, but every day. So Father, I pray you would take our lives. Would you do something wonderful? Do something new today. Lord, to be even encouraged and built up in the things of God. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God, that we, that we may know 
the fire of God in our own hearts, the joy of God in our own lives. And Lord, that the words that would proceed from our mouths would be your words, not the words of this world. So Lord, we've got a privilege, privileged position today. You've called us out. You've called us up. Lord, help us to step out and to step up, to hear your call and respond. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. If God's been speaking to you this morning, perhaps you want to get saved or there's various things going on in your life, please come and speak to me um, after the service. People will be leaving fairly quickly quickly and and outside, but please come wherever I am and, and get my attention. So listen, we're going to just come around the Lord's table.